Traders, welcome back to the SPACs Attack, where we talk everything SPACs. And if you like seeing the green on the movers list, definitely smash that like button for me, guys. Hit the subscribe bell below. I'm happy to be back on SPACs Attack. I know we got my man, the brains to the show, Chris Ketching. Hey, Mitch, what's going on? How are we doing today? What up? What up, man? It's it's good to be with you. I'm I'm, I'm happy to, to see you. Good to be back. Yeah, man, we're back. We're back. So, hey, if you guys are happy to have the SPAC boys back, definitely hit the one in the chat. I want to see the love. Let us know what's going on out there. What are you guys looking at? What do you guys want to talk about? We've been gone for a little bit, there's, so there's a lot of headlines out there. Looks like they're missing us. And and, and guess what, guys. We actually miss you guys too. You know, Chris and I do this every single day. And, and we've gotten to the point where when we don't do this, we just feel like there's something off. So definitely, guys, smash the like button. We appreciate being a part of this community just as much as you guys do. So let's get into some headlines. I know you got a lot to talk about, Chris. So I'm going to let you take over here and take us back. All right, guys. Yeah, so a couple days off tech conference hosted by Benzinga here. I did drop a link in the chat. Guys, if you missed us and you want to get that SPAC news every morning, sign up for our SPAC news. Even though we were off the last two days, that newsletter did go out to subscribers. It's free. Sharing some information on SPACs, on deals, on rumors. So make sure you sign up there. Then turning to headlines, we're going to try to hit, you know, all the major stuff from the past couple of days. But we also have a pretty exciting interview coming up today where we're going to talk SPACs and IPOs. Um, so excited about that. You know, up first, I just want to hit quick on the overall SPAC market. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, negativity coming at SPACs. Um, I have talked about, you know, oversupply. We're, we're seeing too many. We're seeing some, some deals done at high valuations. But I want to point out that over the last two days, we also saw IPOs of DigitalOcean, Vizio, uh, Cricket, and Diversity Holding. All those IPOs are trading below their offering price. So guys, it's not just SPACs. There are IPOs that also trade below um, where they go public at. It's also stocks. So don't group SPACs together as one whole sure you look for the good ones. There are going to be bad ones. There's going to be bad deals. This is no different than traditional IPOs, though. You know, ignore some of that noise and pay attention to what you own for the short term. Uh, do your own investments. And then turning to headlines this morning, we have uh, IPE, which is taking SoFi public. So they announced a new platform. They're going to allow access to IPOs before they're traded um, on an exchange. Uh, so typically that's only reserved for large institutional investors or some of these uh, you know, pre-IPO exchanges. Um, but eligible SoFi members, so all you have to do is have at least $3,000 invested with SoFi. You're going to be able to participate by placing an order for um, shares of a pre-IPO company. Super excited to see what this looks like. Um, Robinhood is also exploring um, their own platform to do this, and they look like they will be offering shares to customers first in that IPO. We'll hit on that later um, during our interview today. And then we have NGA, of course, uh, merging with Lion Electric. I do own shares of this company. 
They secured their largest truck order to date this week. They announced 100 zero-emission trucks from Pride Group Enterprises. Um, this is a purchase order. The majority of the trucks are expected to be delivered during 2021, with the remainder of deliveries expected to take place in 2022. So this isn't that far out. This is later this year and 2022. And again, this is the largest deal that Lion Electric has ever signed. Um, shares were up 5% yesterday. Um, they have gotten some attention here. Keep an eye out on this one. Shares have gotten hit over the last couple of weeks. Um, but again, this looks like a great long-term company. Um, and you can go back and watch our interview with the company as well. Merger between BFT and Paysafe was approved yesterday. So current ticker BFT, the new ticker is going to be PSFE, expected uh, to trade uh, beginning next week. So keep an eye out on that one. Um, going forward, we've talked a lot about BFT and Paysafe. And uh, Reuters reporting that the SEC is inquiring about disclosures from Wall Street banks over the SPAC process. So this could lead to formal inquiries. Currently, it looks like just gathering information. Um, looks like it centers around disclosures, um, talking about you know the, the founders, the shareholders of those SPACs, uh, what investments do they have, um, and how to make sure all that information is communicated. So I, I've said for you know a little while now that I think we do see some changes to the process. I think when these SPAC deals are announced, the percentage that shareholders get um, needs to be communicated in the press release rather than just in the investor presentation slide deck. Um, but we'll see what happens to this new report. And two of our uh, space-related SPACs, we have VACQ and SFTW. So this is Rocket Lab and Black Sky. Of course, Rocket Lab launched that rocket earlier this week with a Black Sky satellite on board. Those two companies extending their partnership. So Black Sky signed to launch nine of their small satellites across five additional missions this year. Uh, that's the most spacecraft that Black Sky has ever committed to a single launcher. Keep an eye out on both of these SPACs, VACQ and SFTW. And then we have uh, ARC Fund. So just from yesterday, as again, we were off the last two days, um, I saw that added uh, more open shares, um, open door. So 900,000 shares being added across two ETFs, added more Butterfly, BFLY, and also SPFR, which I do own. That's that recent SPAC deal. Velo 3D, a 3D printing company working with SpaceX, has now been added two days in a row um, to the ARC ETFs. And then Arrival, uh, formerly CIIC, that new ticker is ARVL. Um, that merger deal is complete and now trading under that new ticker. Again, great electric vehicle company. Um, go back and watch our interview. You'll hear more about electric vans, uh, electric buses, and then also those micro factories, which I think are you know a huge growth area going forward for that company. I'm a big fan of Arrival. Um, if it's not on your watch list already, pay attention because we have dipped back the past couple of days and you could see a good entry price here for the long-term investment. And then turning to rumors, uh, a lot of rumors announced this week. Um, this morning we have Axios and The uh, Athletic, two digital media properties uh, in talks to merge according to the Wall Street Journal. And they're also exploring a SPAC deal to go public. Uh, remember, we also have BuzzFeed exploring a SPAC deal. So 
looks like digital media could be one of those spaces with some consolidation and some uh, public deals via SPAC. So keep an eye out on some of these SPACs that are targeting media companies or have experience in the industry um, you know, going forward. We have uh, Apollo weighing the sale of McGraw-Hill Education um, and exploring a possible SPAC deal. No tickers were mentioned in that rumor, um, but keep an eye out. McGraw-Hill Education, a well-known uh, company in that space. We have ROCC, which is a Roth uh, SPAC. Uh, in talks with Reservoir Media, which is a music publisher that represents copyrights and master recordings. So artists that they have rights to include Lady Gaga, Sheryl Crow, and Bruno Mars. Um, you know, keep an eye out on this one with the, the streaming uh, and digital uh, music. We are seeing more monetization of music rights going forward. And then also who could forget that in the music space, you also have the possibility of, you know, creating NFTs with these artists. So keep an eye out on this ROCC. You know, I, I haven't dug in to see what other artists are in that library, but those three names obviously well known to most viewers here. And then our other big rumor, we have ticker DEH. Um, they're in talks to take Vicarious Surgical public. This is a startup backed by Bill Gates. Um, so, you know, definitely worth keeping an eye on. So the Gates uh, Frontier Fund, um, also Eric Schmidt, formerly of Google. We also have the Yahoo founder, Jerry Yang, and Salesforce founder, Mark Benoff, all investors in this company. And then one of the creators of Vicarious Surgical, his father is actually a co-founder of Desktop Metal. Um, so nice connection there in the SPAC world. I am seeing some reports out there that Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are also investors in Vicarious. There's actually two Vicarious companies. One is Vicarious Surgical, and then one is Vicarious, which is a robot company. So to me, I'm seeing that they are two separate companies. So Musk is not involved in this. But again, you have Bill Gates, a backer in the company. So keep an eye out on this one. And then we turn to our deals. Going to try to run through these. We have uh, GNPK announcing a merger with Redwire Space. This is an innovative space infrastructure company. Uh, revenue estimate of 163 million in 2021, 237 million in fiscal 2022. This was done at a valuation of 615 million. I, I, I'm a big fan of this valuation here. Instead of seeing these large billion dollar SPAC deals for companies, you know, years away from revenue, here you have one with you know hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue going public at a 615 million valuation. This is a space infrastructure play. It's almost like a mini space ETF in itself, um, you know, working on orbit, in-space manufacturing through 3D printing, robotic assembly. Um, they're looking at finding partners to help expand their operations, proven capabilities and transformative technologies in five key growth areas. Um, so that's on-orbit servicing, assembly, and manufacturing, low-earth or low orbit commercialization, digitally engineered spacecraft, space domain awareness, and advanced sensors and components. Um, they have a significant opportunity in the fragmented space infrastructure market, a backlog of more than $150 million 
Um, they see revenue growing at a compounded annual growth rate of 72%. So again, those estimates, 163 million in 2021, and then all the way out to $1.4 billion in 2025. I'm a fan of this deal at that valuation. And then our deals announced today, we have uh, ticker SV announcing a deal with Arrow Farms. This is a indoor vertical farming company, similar to App Harvest, APPH. Um, deal done at $856 million, uh, revenue of $4 million estimated this year, $13 million estimated next year. I'm going to have to dive in a little bit more, go back through that App Harvest presentation to see how these two companies uh, you know, compare and uh, fare here. Uh, I'm a fan of the industry, but to me, this valuation looks a little high without really diving into it. So more information to come. Then our big deal, we have BOWX announcing a deal with WeWork, the leading flexible space provider. Um, this was rumored for a little while now. Um, so revenue estimates, $3.3 billion, fiscal 2021 up 1%, $4.58 billion, fiscal 2022 up 41%. Being done at a $9 billion valuation, again, WeWork is backed um, by SoftBank. And remember, WeWork had a valuation of $47 billion. Uh, back in 2019. So big fall over two years in valuation here. And also, as we see the rise of work from home, um, you know, what's WeWork's future in that shared working environment? Um, so this one is actually up big this morning. The CEO was on CNBC. So lots of love there. And then turning past our deals, I want to remind everyone that the ARC Fund Space ETF uh, can launch um, as early as next week, Monday. Um, so keep an eye out again on all these space names. We did a whole show on it two weeks ago um, talking about space SPACs, um, but that is a big catalyst going forward. And then uh, next week we have the vote on the merger NPA, and then we also will get earnings from Butterfly Network, uh, BFLY, and Romeo Power. March 30th, I do own shares of RMO. Um, so that's what I've got for headlines and those deals. Um, I know that was a lot to get through. Again, we missed everyone the last two days. It's playing catch up today, um, getting through these. So uh, let me know in the chat if there's anything else that we missed that you think we should cover after the interview, and we will try to certainly uh, circle back. But that's what I've got today. Looks like we're trying to get um, some audio fixed here. So um, again, space SPACs. So, you know, Kathy Wood, ARC Funds, launching that ETF on Monday. Um, some of the names we've talked about, we have SPCE, Virgin Galactic, uh, which I own shares of, SRAC, merging with Momentus. Um, I do own shares of that. We have VACQ, Rocket Lab, which I talked about today. Um, you know, they are, you know, next to SpaceX, the next leading rocket launcher uh, in the U.S. That one looks attractive here, you know, with that catalyst of the space ETF. Um, and then also SFTW, a satellite play. You have NPA, the 5G from space play. Um, and then also HOL, um, that's Astra, another um, rocket company. So, you know, keep an eye out on these names. That's a big event to launch this the space ETF as early as next week. Um, I think it's going to depend on how the market reacts. 
what kind of correction we keep seeing, whether or not, you know, ARC goes ahead and launches that on Monday, or if they wait a couple days to get the timing right again, they don't have to launch it on Monday. That is the earliest, though, that that ETF can be filed and launched. So, and once it goes public, uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of interest in digging into the holdings, finding out exactly which space stocks are in the ETF. Um, we'll also see if this ARC fund gets added to the list of, you know, that email list that goes out every night, right? What is Kathy Wood buying and selling within the ARC funds? Um, will the space ETF be included in that list? Will we see, you know, the shares start to trade after hours um, based on if they're being added or, you know, sold from the fund? So, you know, an exciting catalyst, um, again, in the... Uh, the um, space industry and, you know, widely followed Kathy Wood and those connections. So keep an eye out on that. Um, on those deals today, uh, again, BOWX, WeWork, you know, up 11% last I looked. Um, looks like 8% now. So again, the, the CEO on CNBC today, you know, highlighting the company, highlighting, you know, the billion dollars in revenue. Um, and then also talking about profitability um, later this year. Um, but again, this is a significant discount to the valuation two years ago. So that could be a positive or it could be a negative here. It could be a negative, you know, that it has fallen so much in valuation. Or it could be a positive. You could be, uh, you know, seeing an opportunity to get shares now. And if they can bounce back, you know, and all the return to work business can, can hit, Maybe this is a good long-term play, and I think that's what some investors are are banking on this morning. And then the other deal, you know, I highlighted that space one um, in itself. So GNPK, um, it, again, a space infrastructure play, um, very similar to its own um, space ETF business. I, I think that one looks attractive here. And then also DEH, um, Vicarious Surgical, uh, that rumor. Um, you know, to go public with DEH. Um, and again, that's a Bill Gates-backed company um, and then some other big names attached. So that's one I'll be looking at, um, you know, and again, we're, we're trading under $10 here. Um, not sure if this will pop on a deal announcement as we, you know, have seen that kind of fade away in the SPAC market, but, you know, definitely one worth uh, looking at here. Um, and then trying to see in the chat. So, um, yeah, so someone mentioning, yeah, Max R, again, not a SPAC, but a great satellite company, um, you know, going forward um, again with that space ETF. I think we're going to see some interest again in, in all the space stocks next week. Um, someone asking about um, Monday. Yeah, so Monday is the earliest that the space ETF can launch. Um, so that is based on a calculation, the number of days. Uh, from the day that that initial filing went out um, for the ETF. So um, I saw an article out from Bloomberg yesterday, you know, talking about how the, the space ETF could launch on Monday. Uh, again, we, we told you that two weeks ago, that, that March 29th was going to be the possible launch day. So stick around with SPACs attack. You're getting that information here. So uh, what's up, Mitch? Uh, what's jumping out there for you? I know we probably want to get back into this interview um, and then maybe circle back to some of the updates on the headlines. 
Yeah, I'll definitely get into kind of the watch list. We'll, we'll do like a, a little bit uh, ticker time near the end here, guys. Uh, but one jump right into that interview. Sorry, I had to get out there for a little bit, guys. For some reason, my audio completely cut out. But we're back, baby. So let's go ahead and let's get into our interview. And then uh, I'll go ahead and touch up some of the, the green looking uh, moving charts that we have today. So let's go ahead and let's get into our interview, Chris. I mean, that's exciting to hear that we do have some green out there in SPAC land. So I saw that as well. So uh, very excited interview today. Joining us on SPAC's Attack, we have John Janarone. He is the editor-in-chief at IPO Edge. Welcome to SPAC's Attack, John. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. All, All right. right, guys. So the way we normally run things is, like always, I'm going to go ahead and dip out for a little bit. I'll let Chris ask some questions, and I'll be back with some of my own. All right, perfect. So, John, before we dive into questions, I'm wondering if you can tell our viewers um, just a little info on your background in the IPO and SPAC space, and then also kind of what is IPO Edge all about? Sure thing, Chris. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so I launched Capital Markets Media about four years ago, and the first platform is IPO Edge. We have two others, CorpGov and Exec Edge, uh, but let's focus on IPO Edge today. So we cover all things IPOs. We cover private companies as well sometimes, but mainly companies that are going public. And as you know well, and I just have been listening for a few minutes here, all the action has been in SPAC land as opposed to regular way IPOs. So uh, you can find our content on IPO Edge. We also are syndicated with Yahoo Finance, so it appears there and on Bloomberg Terminals. So what we do is inspired by my background at the Wall Street Journal, where I wrote the, the Herd in the Street column for about seven years. Um, and so we do a lot of an, uh, analytical work as opposed to breaking news. So for instance, this morning, a couple of deals came out. And I hope we can dig into them, especially WeWork. That's a fun one, right? Um, and uh, you know, I can tell you what, what I think based on you know, what, what, I, what I've read and talked to a couple of investors. Perfect. So, you know, you've been in the IPO market for a long time. So SPACs were one of the hottest stories in 2020 um, and, you know, continuing with the supply into 2021. Did, when did you start to notice last year, you know, that this was going to be a, a huge trend? And, you know, did, did anyone in the IPO market really see SPACs just taking off like this in 2020? I mean, <laughs> no one saw 2020 coming. I mean, that was just bonkers. So I think that I first started following SPACs and did my first roundtable event with some people in the SPAC world, in maybe September, October of 2019. And at that time, Chris, it was interesting. You couldn't get away with what, you could, what you're seeing now. This, this, this public markets venture capital theme hadn't really arrived yet. That only happened after, I would say, Virgin Galactic. Back in those days, you were looking at companies that had positive EBITDA you know, right now. Right, not not in 2027. So um, it changed dramatically after that. And I think what also happened is you had a, a swell of retail interest. Because look, Chris, as you know, these companies are fun to talk about. People like about cars and you know electric vehicles and spaceships and all that stuff. And you know, this morning we got a really cool one with Aero Farms. So that really I think captivated the market. Um, but the truth is, and we can get into this perhaps a little bit later. I think that if I were to give advice to investors. I would keep an eye on some of these companies that actually are profitable now, because I think that that spike, that run up that we saw that kind of came off a few weeks ago, I just don't know if we're going to get back to that sort of speculative frenzy in these in these SPACs. Yeah, perfect. We'll dive into some individual names here in a minute. Um, one of the things I've talked about, you know, for months on here, and I think we're seeing it more and more is a possible oversupply of SPACs. So 
what are your thoughts? Is there an oversupply of SPACs in 2021? And, and how do we fix it going forward? Well, I think that to be totally blunt with you, some of my investment banker friends might be getting a little bit greedy by doing so many deals. So I think that when you have some of these SPACs doing multiple fundraises because, you know, the getting's good right now, you're causing a glut. And so that's why we're seeing some of these guys trading below uh, below $10. $10, let's just say for simplicity, is roughly the cash and trust. Might be a few pennies off. But that's what's happening, Chris. You're exactly right. There are just too many to choose from. I mean, every day, even in spite of you know this sort of SPAC wreck that we saw in two weeks, we're getting new deals announced all the time. So you know, you've got to really be careful about which ones you go for. I mean, they're not all gonna not all gonna fly like they did uh, through February. You you mentioned some of these uh, investment groups, you know, launching two or three or four or five. Um, also, one of the trends that really popped up with SPACs is we saw you know celebrities, athletes, politicians, you know, either launch their own SPACs or attach themselves as advisors. What what are your your thoughts on that? You know, can we have you know celebrities be involved? Does does it make sense, or should investors kind of just you know stay clear of those ones with the big names? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there are celebrities who turn out to be fantastic investors like 50 Cent, right, with vitamin water and, you know, countless others. But, you know, I'd be really cautious about betting on a Shaquille O'Neal or an A-Rod SPAC. I mean, it's just not their background, Chris, right? So the, the, the trouble I have, though, is it could be a little bit dangerous because the average person knows who those guys are much better than they know who sophisticated investors are, right? So, if, if I think there's a risk that especially retail investors think, wow, this is exciting. Everyone's going to you know, crowd around whatever A-Rod does. It's dangerous. I mean, I haven't examined, you know, I mean, we could talk about a specific, say in general to, you know, be a little careful with those. So with so many SPACs out there, you know, and again, not to name uh, specific names yet, but just overall, um, for retail traders, you know, what should they look for in a SPAC? in a SPAC? Is it the past success, the the sponsorship team, the target area, or kind of, as you mentioned, the the financial profile as far as, you know, growth and profitability going forward? Well, I'm going to give you an example, if I might. I think that you should look at something like Ouster. So Ouster uh, just de-SPAC'd, as, as, as the jargon goes, and it's trading under uh, the Ouster ticker, I think O-U-S-T. So I did an interview with the CEO, and he was very, very competent. He knew exactly what he was doing. He had a very strong engineering background, you know, from, from, from Stanford, and he'd been working on this for years. And when I, here's the thing that I think investors need to pay attention to. When you see these revenue estimates, and that's, that's what all these SPACs are allowed to do, revenue and, and profit estimates, you need to really drill down and make sure that they're backed by bottom-up analysis, that these are, there's really something behind it. Because I think what I'm seeing sometimes is companies coming out and they've got big dreams and they're talking about, you know, how great things are going to be five years from now. But if, but if those, but if those forecasts really are not underpinned by, you know, some serious assumptions like contracts, commitments and that sort of thing, you need to look out. I mean, that's the danger here, Chris, right? I mean, it's wonderful and it makes sort of the, the back of the back of the napkin um, analysis easy for us because we have those projections, but you need to look at them and say, what, how confident are you in those numbers, right? Because anyone can make a projection. 
Awesome. So, you know, let's dive into some of the the individual names here. So um, before we look at, you know, 2020, 2021, some of the past ones, you mentioned WeWork again, that was the the big deal announced this morning. Um, give, give us your thoughts again. You know, I mentioned how valuation has fallen significantly over the last two years, but CEO on CNBC and after a couple of days of SPACs trading down on deals, we saw this one actually jump up, you know, 11% during that interview today. So what's your thoughts on WeWork going forward? Well, I mean, it's it's funny, Chris, because uh, I'm sure you remember uh, WeWork being as toxic as I do, right? But uh, Masa really, um, you know, doubled down on this thing. He put his he put his top lieutenant, Marcelo Clower, uh, in charge. He remains the executive chairman. And they cleaned this thing up. They took a lot of costs out. And what I'm seeing in there is positive EBITDA at the end of this year, which is really something. I mean, it's it's just night and day compared to what we were looking at uh, back when when Adam uh, was was at the helm. And Adam's completely out, as, as you know. So, I mean, I look, I mean, Chris, I think that there probably is um, some structural tailwind pushing this, pushing this company because, you know, look, people are not just going to go back and rent a massive office for five years, right? People are going to kind of creep back into it. At least that's what my company's plan is, right? So I think that there's probably a lot of demand for this. And I think that these guys are disciplined. Um, I haven't dug into the corporate governance, but presumably, well, it would be pretty tough for it not to be better than it was under Adam. But, you know, as long as that all checks out, I mean, I actually think this could trade well. Um, you know, this is, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a decent business. I think that, you know, everyone remembers it as being a train wreck, but that was really specific to, to Adam, frankly. And Masa, you know, is, is no dummy. He's, a, he's, you know, he's one of the best investors, you know, of our generation probably. And, he, you know, I think that he, um, he put his best guy in there to clean the thing up. So it actually looks pretty good to me. Awesome. Yeah, we we love getting your thoughts there. Uh, again, you know, we, we've seen so many of these companies go public with increased valuations from their last funding rounds. So to see, you know, WeWork actually drop in valuation, to me, you know, there, there is some opportunity there. Um, but again, I, I worry a little about, yeah, the corporate work structure, um, you know, going forward. Same thoughts I kind of had on uh, View with the smart windows, um, you know, for corporate locations too. So. Um, Give us your thoughts. So 2020, 2021, what, what are some names that stand out to you, um, you know, as, as great long-term um, de-SPAC'd companies going forward? So um, there are a few that I like, Chris. So why don't we start with an, another one that just came out this morning. So, you know, I was just talking about how I think it's important to focus on profits, but I think Aero Farms is a great business. Um, I've gone through as quickly as I could since it came out this morning, the presentation, talked to some other folks about it. It's not trading up too much. And I think there's a little bit of fear that it looks a lot like some of these other companies that, you know, that, that correct these other SPACs have corrected so much. But this is a very good business. They've already got a, a head start. And the thing about that produce, Chris, is they're not going to have a hard time selling it. I mean, the same thing goes for App Harvest. And what I would say about Air Farms is they're trading at about half the valuation of App Harvest. App Harvest was trading even higher, as you probably know. Um, and, and pulled back down. So I like AeroFarms. Um, I would also look at Skillsoft. So uh, Michael Klein, of course, uh, runs the Churchill Capital Complex. And we all know Michael Klein for uh, Lucid Motors, obviously, which was um, quite quite a spectacle, <laughs> the way that traded. But look at Skillsoft. I interviewed the CEO, Jeff Tarr, phenomenal guy, very competent. These guys are already profitable. It's a fantastic business. It's basically at-work learning, so doing courses, uh, for compliance or uh, various other skills, they've got you know they've got something like seventy percent of the Fortune one thousand as clients already. It's a good business. It's trading pretty cheap. I like that one. Um, another one that I, I like a lot is Nerdy, uh, which is 
similar in a way. So what Nerdy does, it's basically um, tutoring. So it's a way for um, people to remotely uh, do tutoring. So they've closed all of their in-person facilities. They're gone. They, they went totally digital, which was smart. They're backed by TCV, which is a really um, uh, well-known uh, uh, Sand Hill Road um, venture capital firm. Woody Marshall from TCV is on the board. I love that one. Um, and the ticker on that is Pace, by the way, and the one for Skillsoft is CCX. Um, just one more for you, Chris. I like um, Holly. So Holly is basically um, uh, a company that helps you uh, soup up cars. So it's for people who want to do aftermarket add-ons to, to vehicles. That one's also um, a profitable business. It's merging with Empower, EMPW. So I look at those. Um, the, 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 the common theme among those three I just mentioned, Chris, is, is profitability. And I think that that's something that, you know, at the end of the day, some of these guys that flew very high in February don't have any valuation support. I mean, if you're trading at eight, you know, eight or 10 times sales, what's to stop it from falling to five times sales? You know, not too much. But if you've got, you know, a reasonable EBITDA multiple, I think that you have valuation support. And so if things get ugly, you know, there, there's going to be a bid. Awesome. Yeah. Great picks there. Um, you know, we love getting some kind of under the radar names there. Um, you know, we actually just did a March SPACness tournament. Um, our take on March Madness, picking some long-term winners. And of course, you know, you hear DraftKings, um, MP Materials, you know, QuantumScape, some of those larger well-known names. So to hear some of these under the radar names, you know, great insight there. Um, one more question I have about SPACs, and then I want to dive into IPOs a little bit here. Um, we just heard a report from Reuters that the SEC has begun inquiries into the SPAC process. Um, I've talked about maybe we need to add some disclosures to press releases, the percent you know that uh, shareholders will own of the new company, rather than being in that slide deck, maybe going right in the PR. What are your thoughts? What needs to change in, in terms of disclosures in the SPAC market to maybe please the SEC or, you know, improve this overall process? I think, you know, Chris, I, I think that what should be emphasized is probably, you know, if I had it my way, just what I was talking about before, that these projections um, are not entirely reliable and it's really incumbent upon the investor to do some homework. And Chris, to be honest, that can be done. If you, I mean, you know, they always say do your homework and it sounds kind of like, okay, whatever, what homework can you do? But you can, I mean, if you, if you read these things carefully, you can see, uh, you can ask the kind of questions I was talking about. What percentage of that revenue forecast is based on committed orders and so on, sort of thing. Rather than, I mean, I'm afraid, I, I'm, I hate to say it, Chris, but I think a lot of investors are basically investing based, based off memes recently, right? So when you have a hot stock, people are, they're just not doing any work at all. They're buying it because it's going up, right? <laughs> rather, than, rather than doing fundamental analysis. So I think that, you know, the SEC can only do so much, right? I mean, they can't prevent people from being reckless, you know, like all they can do is get the companies to, you know, emphasize the, the inherent risks and, you know, encourage people to, you know, just read up a bit. And it doesn't really take that long, Chris. I mean, all you have to do is Google investor presentation for whichever one it is. It's a, it's a neat, you know, in most cases, these decks are done pretty well. You need to go to the back, look at the revenue forecasts and, you know, look in there and see, you know, who their, who their partners are, and that and that sort of thing. So I mean, that's 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 the advice I would give. But you know, I think it's good that the SEC is is saying something about this because you know I I, I get emails from people all the time and I caution them. I say, please don't put half of your savings into this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I get you know I'll get an email from like a fireman or something, right? And I feel like this guy's worked his entire life protecting us, right? Like, please don't bet the farm on you know some pie in the sky spack deal. 
Yeah, no, that's great advice. Uh, before I get to IPOs, Mitch wants to jump in here, ask some comments on some of those uh, SPAC uh, discussion that we just had, if you don't mind, John. Yeah. Yeah, John. So one thing I definitely want to point out to, that you made a comment on is looking at those revenues and also looking for contracts. And, and, and that was one of the that that stands out to me always. That's one thing that I've always looked for. And especially when we're looking at, let's say, stocks in the space industry. Right. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed in space is that that's what I look for. I look for government contracts, defense contracts, wh whatever those contracts can be, because that I feel will actually get paid out over time. Then consumers can just kind of change their opinion and then revenues just kind of don't match what the projections were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, contract business is always better. Also, I mean, another just um, to, to riff on that a little bit, if I can, what I really love is recurring revenue. Right. So if I see contracts that last in general five years or something, I mean, that that really that really helps a lot, too, because, you know, they're, they're stuck with them. Perfect. I, I think those are the, the, the things that I think investors don't do their deep research into that specific area and into the revenues, seeing how this potential is not just potential. How is it actually going to come up to fruition? So I'll let Chris jump in here with some IPO questions. Um, it's going to be interesting. You know, one of the things that I, I think Chris and I have been talking about is the comparison between IPOs and SPACs. So I'll let Chris a little bit expand a little bit more on that. But it, it's going to be an interesting time to see over time in, in 2020 and 2021, which performed better in the long run. Yeah, awesome. So let's dive into IPOs again. You know, we're a SPAC show, but we also do IPOs here. Um, you know, obviously SPACs being the, the the more interesting one last year, but traditional IPOs. So let's back up a little bit uh, back to 2020. Um, what 2020 IPOs, you know, are going unnoticed or being undervalued here, um, you know, in your opinion, of course? You know, I, I look, I, I, I like Snowflake. I like Airbnb. I mean, these are very famous companies, Chris. I don't have as many off the radar ones as I do in, in SPAC world because I, I, I guess I've been uh, I've been spending a lot of time in SPAC land. But, you know, I think that Airbnb is, is, a, is a really good business. I mean, uh, it's it, uh, <laughs> it would have been nice to, to own it at the IPO price. You know, I think that I think that businesses like that, which, you know, suffered during the pandemic, but are going to rebound. Um, there's, I mean, look, a lot of that's baked in, but I think that you should keep an eye on, on things like that because the, you know, these reopening things are, are real. I mean, we're, I, you know, hopefully a year from now, things are going to look a lot different than they were, but you know, I just want to talk about something uh, related to IPOs versus SPACs. It's interesting, Chris, because, you know, just getting back to WeWork, we saw WeWork try to IPO and now it's, you know, I presumably going to succeed with a SPAC, but what's, what's fascinating is the way that they're able to communicate, right? I mean, this this deck which I've gone through goes into excruciating detail about how they've taken costs out, their very clear path to profitability. SPACs allow you to tell a story. It's very hard to, to tell a story in an S1 filing. And frankly, the, the, the laws don't really allow you to, right? Um, so, I mean, so basically there, there's, there's something a little bit I think that that's, I mean, if you, if you ask, you know, NICE and NASDAQ, I mean, which I have, they both think that, you know, IPOs are here to stay. It's not like SPACs going to replace them entirely, but there are some serious limitations on telling a story. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't get into any off the radar ones, but I just thought of that. And I hope that's, hope that's a thoughtful. Um, no, uh, of course that that's great. And yeah, you know, we, we've, We've interviewed several, you know, actually numerous, you know, uh, CEOs of companies going public via SPAC. And we always try to ask, you know, why a SPAC? And, you know, 
you know, some of the most common answers, of course, are, you know, the, the timeliness, right? You can get to market sooner. Um, you can get that money sooner. And then also the, the forward looking statements, right? So a traditional IPO, yeah, you, you can't go too far out. And, you know, as you mentioned, I think you said 2027, some of these slide decks we're seeing, you know, so many years out into the future with those projections. So, you know, that's obviously a huge advantage here. So what one of the, you know, the most talked about and hottest IPOs for 2021 is uh, most likely going to be Robinhood, um, you know, filed recently. And then yesterday confirming once again, it sounds like that they'll offer shares to um, customers first. So what what are your thoughts on the Robinhood IPO? And do you think that's a wise move um, to offer the shares to, to customers here uh, first? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good marketing tactic, but I mean, frankly, uh, Chris, I, I have some specific thoughts on Robinhood related to the um, uh, the GameStop short squeeze. I mean, uh, what I basically observed happening, and I talked to people who are, you know, on the floor at the uh, at NICE, um, you know, market makers, there was a there was some serious strain on the system, and you know, the way that 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 um, Robinhood had to respond to that by basically you know, cutting off buy orders and getting a bailout. There was a concern about franchise risk there, Chris. I mean, I, I don't know how much this has been said, but that's what I, you know, I'm saying it right now. And that's what, you know, uh, investors who have been in the game for a long time are telling me. And when I started to see Fidelity, um, you know, uh, Morgan Stanley, Charles Schwab doing the same thing, I was a little bit spooked. So I would say that um, that, that, that platform looks a little bit shaky to me. And one other thing that I... <laughs> I'd point out is um, they have a lot of customers, but a lot of their customers might have like three shares in their accounts. So when I see those numbers, I'm going to want to know something like the average value in each each one of those accounts. There's a lot of digging that needs to be done. I mean, yes, Robinhood is phenomenally popular, but you really need to take a closer look under the hood before you get in that one. Awesome. Uh so what are some other uh, 2021 IPOs that maybe investors should keep on their radar here um, for the back half of the year? Well, it's interesting because I think that some of these companies are not sure which path they're going to take, right? So I, when, when, I, you know, when I was talking to bankers you know, two years ago, a SPAC was like the third choice. Sometimes now it's the first choice. So I don't know that we're going to have a huge year in terms of regular way IPOs. I mean, if there are a couple that you want to drill down on, we can do that. But, you know, the action continues, believe it or not, despite this supply glut to be um, over, over on the SPAC side. All right. All right. So one of the areas that I've been focusing on, John, and you can maybe let me know if you've been seeing some more kind of a, a attractiveness to this area is programmatic advertising and, and and just to mention an ipo you know you got pub m um you know the pro that was really one area that at the beginning of the year stood out to me as a transition into the digital kind of transformation and also i think the pandemic just really pushed the gas pedal so let us know a little bit have you thought about that area yeah you know i have it's interesting um you know working in the media world myself um, but the holy grail in advertising is actually connecting customers' purchase decisions with dollars spent. And there's, you know, there's actually a it's funny you mentioned that. There's actually a company, uh, uh, Digital Media Solutions. It's it's it was a SPAC, and it's out there, and that's what they do. I mean, that's very much that's very much the future. I mean, if you've ever been in in a situation where someone's making an advertising purchase, 
They want to know as much as possible about how effective it is. And if you go back 20 years ago, it was, you know, it was very hard to tell, right? Because it would be like what a, a print advertisement in a magazine or a newspaper. So I think that that, I mean, I think that's, that's, I think that's a huge trend. Um, and, and, um, you know, I, a DMS is one way to bet on it actually. Yeah, that's actually the, the the one that I was thinking about, but I, I, I you led right to it, so oh, I, sorry, man. <laughs> I, I set up I set up the home run for you, and, and, and you hit it right out the park. So <laughs> can't blame you for that one. Um, yeah, I, that's one on my radar. Um, I, I look at some of the high flyers, also MG and I in this, and also you know the trade desk that have been doing this for years and years. But as we we, we even saw in a Kathy Wood uh, webinar talking about how you know. TV isn't just doing the same advertising anymore, and you're going to see that continuously decline there. So that's that's one area I'm, I'm definitely watching for new IPOs to even continue coming. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up because it's a really it's 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 a bit of a complicated business. And I mean, I actually wrote a piece about it. If anyone wanted to check it out, you can find it on our website. We'll but I think I think it's I think it's totally the it's absolutely the future. Um, and um, you know, people are not going to shell out advertising dollars if they don't know that they're getting concrete results that, I mean, those days are just gone. I mean, that's like, I mean, CMOs just don't work like that anymore. So I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm glad you brought that one up because that one's totally off the radar. Exactly. I, I always try to look at, at the underlying assets behind what, what I think will first move. And then you'll see the, the kind of the after effects. Absolutely. John, is it the digital media solutions gives advertisers what they really want? Is that the article? Yes. Yep. So just drop that in the chat. So guys, if you want, oh, go ahead, take Thank a look you, at that. Again, ticker DMS. This one was actually in our SPAC Madness tournament. Um, it did lose in the first round. Um, I think a lot of people just aren't as familiar with it. But yeah. once I saw what it is that they do, I know Mitch and I both talked about it and you know added it to the watch list. So Thanks for, you know, bringing more color in that space there. Um, I just have a couple more questions. I know we've kept you for, you know, a half hour here. So um, we, we talked Robinhood, you know, maybe offering those shares uh, pre-IPO. Um, SoFi um, this morning, so uh, ticker IPOE announced plans to launch a platform to allow its users to buy shares of pre-IPO companies. Um what what are your thoughts here? Should should investors look at this, or is this going to be you know one of those risky situations that maybe people don't understand how to to value those companies? Uh, you know, I think it's a really interesting question, Chris, because you know people talk about um, SPACs as something similar. I mean, in the past, a lot of these businesses like Aero Farms, for instance, this would never have gone public this early, right? So a lot of these a lot of these a lot of these SPAC deals look a lot like, you know, venture capital opportunities. I think that that's an interesting idea if they're doing that. Um, and I, 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 you know, this, I would, I would say anytime you hear about democratization, be a little careful. I mean, does anyone really want to help the little guy? I mean, I, I, I you know, look, I, I would just say that if, if this is available, that people need to do their homework in the same way that we talked about, uh, you know, before, but by the way, SoFi is an interesting company and you know, there, there are a few others um, uh, in the fintech space that are, that are, um, that are going public, um, OpFi um, and um, Finance of America. So that's, it, I think that's actually an interesting space. And I hope, I don't, I don't need to advertise this if it conflicts with, um, with your show, but next Wednesday at one o'clock, we're going to have CEOs of three of those companies um, on a live event on IPO Edge. We, we will get that link and we will share it. We have no problem with you advertising on our show. Again, you know, we appreciate you coming on. Um, 
replay yeah finance of america is an interesting one we've we've had patty cook on the show twice um big fan of her big fan of that company and how diversified they are they're not just a mortgage company um you know great uh you know spread out through different industries so yeah we'll we'll tune into that interview as well you know if it was if it was during our show time maybe not but one o'clock um you know is outside our show window at least so just one more question I have for you. I, I mentioned it during headlines today. So this week we saw several IPOs, um, Cricket, Vizio, and a couple others actually trade under their uh, pricing level. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? And do we you, do you think we see you know some of these companies start to pull their listings and wait for the market to um, you know react here? You know, Chris, I was wondering that myself after that, you know, SPAC wreck, let's just call it. Um, I think that and, th- and that, you know, there were a few things going on. There were interest rate concerns. You might even argue that the Lucid announcement um, upset some people. Um, it's not good to see them break issue. But honestly, the VIX is is not that high right now. I just I think that the market's somewhat choppy, but I don't get any sense that. I mean, I actually asked, in fact, on, on the SPAC side about, about deals being pulled. And the answer was, you know, basically nothing has been pulled, but there, there, there are, you know, concessions that are being made. I think like the warrant coverage might change, you know, things are a little more, you know, investor friendly. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that worried just yet. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and ask a question from the chat. That's one thing that I, that really separates us is that we're able to go to our chat and get questions from the chat. So here is, and you kind of prefaced a little bit. I mean, we could talk maybe the lucid deal, but does it hurt negotiations when retail investors really start speculating on a deal on social media? I mean, we were, we were talking about CCIV before when they were talking about direct TV and then we thought, yeah, that uh, we don't see that rumor being true but then another rumor starts and then you saw ccv rip off let us know what do you think about that i mean absolutely it's problematic um i mean ccv is the poster child so let's look at that one there was no confirmation of a deal at all and it was trading at 60 dollars a share right they announced it and you know obviously it was buy the rumor sell the news so a lot of people got hurt and I, I, I think it made the negotiations incredibly complicated. And, and remember what wound up happening, the pipe came in at $15, which was unheard of, right? They had to actually come in at a higher price than the IPO investors in the SPAC. So yeah, it's very problematic. But I mean, frankly, I don't see it stopping. I mean, do you guys? I mean, Reddit's not going away. People are not going to stop wanting to talk about this stuff. I mean, look, I think that Investors probably got burned, um, you know, when, when all these all these guys pulled back. But the interest is not gone, and you know these stimulus checks just came, right? So there's more money to go play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no ex- excellent point. You know, CCIV, of course, um, you know, well known there. Um, I do own shares of CCIV. I did own shares before. I sold some of them. Again, you saw the pr- the pre deal, um, you know, pricing there just insane. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you're, you're spot on. You, we've got Reddit, we've got Twitter, we've got all these different places where, you know, and, and you know, we're guilty of it too, right on the show where we talk about rumors, you know, from uh, Bloomberg, Reuters, um, you know, and it, it can lead to spikes in these shares, you know, before a deal is announced. So I don't think that's going away. And I, I, I appreciate that chat comment and, and your thoughts there. I think maybe it does hurt some of these deals, uh, especially in terms of valuation. If you're a if you're a company trying to go public and all of a sudden you see shares of the company that might take you public 
jump 20%, maybe you think, hey, I can get a couple extra dollars out of this deal because people want my company to go public. So um, just my thought there. But Mitch, what were you going to add? Yeah. So one thing I, I mentioned, and, and I'll point at my own little name here that I use for Twitter is story investors. And I think this is really what you're starting to see and just starting, just starting really. Um, I, I've talked about it that sometimes, you know, fundamentals, technicals, a story sometimes matters even more in this market and, and the hype behind it. And, and that's what I'm focusing on. And that's what I try to, that's where I came up with the name really, because at the end of the day, now that's what I see. It's a social trend. And if you're following the social trends, that's how you go ahead and you can kind of find these stories. I, I, absolutely. I, I was just going to add one thing quickly. I mean, just over the years, if you ask an investment banker, about how they feel about leaks, they do not like them. It's, it, it really throws a wrench in negotiations because I mean, I mean, if you're talking about this is kind of a peripheral issue, but if it's a stock, you know, stock transaction or something, you know, changes the value of the currency, it's a mess. But you know, if it get, I mean, <laughs> reporters are paid to, <laughs> to get these scoops, so it's not going to stop. Yeah, excellent point there. So that's going to wrap up questions today. You know, I, I we kept you longer than I think we originally planned on, but holy cow, great insight into SPACs and IPOs. It. So we enjoyed this interview. I hope you did as well. So uh, again, guys, joining us on the stream today, John Janarone from IPO Edge. I dropped the link to that article on DMS again in the chat. Click on that link, find out more about DMS, and then also you can visit the website there. And as he said, you know, CEO interviews done by himself as well. Great resource out there for SPACs and IPOs. So again, John, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule for joining us on SPACs Attack today. Thanks a lot. It was really great to talk to you guys. Thanks Thank you. Me. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys. Hey, well, you guys heard it there. Uh, one thing I definitely love that we've been doing is is not only reaching out to executives, but trying to bring some experts in the space, right? Um, and, and as you guys can see, that was such an enjoyable experience. So if you guys got some value out of that, definitely smash the like button. I know, I know, Chris and I enjoyed it. I don't even need to ask Chris. So. That, that, that's what it's all about, guys. And that's what we do here on SPACs Attack is that we bring the information because there's too much out there for, you know, let's say we did once a week coverage, guys, like you'll see in the other major news providers, you'll see like once a week or maybe once a day kind of mentions. That's not what we try to do here, guys. We try to really give you a little bit more information. And that's what SPAC attacks really is about that everyday outlet so that you can get the information you need to be your own expert in this field. And, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Awesome. You know, guys, smash the like. If if you like John and if you want him to come back on, go ahead, press one. We, we've been trying to get John on the show for a little while. Um, he's a great resource. He's got years of experience in IPO and SPAC coverage. Um, again, as Mitch said, we're not just going to bring CEOs on. We're going to bring experts in the field. You know, Mitch and I are pretty knowledgeable, but there's always room for more experts within IPOs and SPACs. And here you just heard from, you know, one of the big names, IPO Edge. I, I know I've been following that site and also his column he talked about at the Wall Street Journal before that, um, you know, for years. So I liked some of those under the radar picks, right? We got... Um, Skillsoft, CCX, we got ticker PACE, and then man, Mitch, DMS, Digital Media Solutions. That one, 
as soon as I'm done writing some of these articles today, I'm going to have to go read that article from John. And, and this nope. one's going on the watch list for sure, right? We talked about it, SPAC madness. This was one that I wasn't familiar with. And I, I have no problem admitting that, right? There's there's hundreds and hundreds of SPACs. I, I, I may be Chrisopedia, but I, I can't know everything. So DMS, that's getting added to the watch list that, you know, new wow. media advertising. I, I love it. And his comments... Awesome. There's there's one thing that stands out to me, guys, is in that that you know one of the things is I try to do sometimes what's you you know like how you talked about bottom up approach. Sometimes what I like to do, guys, is so in, instead of trying to like maybe look for a stock, let's look for what I think is going to be more of a macro trend that can start a, a big trend in an industry, and then you start looking up the stocks that are in that industry versus. Let me look for a stock that's great versus let me look for an industry I think can get hot and then I can look for the plays that are on the support and try to diversify in an industry that I think can get really going. And that's how I felt with programmatic uh, advertisement just because of the push of the pandemic. And I'm going to have to tell Jason Raz about this one, you know, because he, he was looking he was looking at MGNI. But maybe, you know, DMS is a better discounted play where he could get a, a better value. But we'll, we'll keep an eye on all these. You know, you had PubM, you have a Trade Desk in that area. And it's, it's, it's an interesting area as we've seen kind of the development. Because at the end of the day, I don't care anymore about certain advertisements. And you don't want to be presented, let's say, an advertisement for... I don't, I don't know. You, you could say women's lingerie. I, I don't think Chris is buying women's lingerie anytime soon. So I would rather send Chris an advertisement about a game, about Roblox or, or, or sports betting or yeah. sports betting. I think Chris's <laughs> eyes would be like, whoa, what's Mitch, going on here? Mitch, are you ready to bring up a chart? I just saw a comment here in the chat. You ready? Let's to see do it. Let's the, do it. You ready to see what the big gainer is today? Yeah. C-A-P-A. Kappa. Kappa, Kappa, Kappa. Up 10%. This is one that I own. We talked about this one before. ARC Funds is an investor in the pipe on this deal. Um, I don't know what the news is out today or if it's just moving, but someone brought that one up in the chat. So Kappa up 10%. Keep an eye out on this one, and we'll try to find some some news on why this is moving higher. But it is... It is starting to to rip. All right. So one thing I did mention is I had Kappa. Really, guys, I had this uh, a little while ago. I was able to sell for a very small profit before it came down underneath my level. But my level that I was in actually is even higher than the price right now, guys. I was in at twelve sixty five, and I and I sold out a little bit above thirteen. Not not a big profit, but I just felt it was coming down below my level, and I didn't want to just watch it wash through. So this one's an interesting one. I think in the long run, Kathy Wood really likes this one. Uh, jumped in on the spike day, not the day that it was at the bottom. And that's what, I, that's what I'd point out, guys. And because she jumped in on the spike day, it always interests me because that means I can get a better price than probably where she's in. And that's what I always try to do, guys. Better price than the big fish. Because if you get in a better price than the big fish, then when the big fish making money, guess what? You're cashing in, baby. And that's what oh, you want to do sometimes. 
All right, guys. So Power Hour is about ready to start. Uh, I don't know if Luke's in the stream and wants to hop on, but I know they've got some exciting guests coming up on their show today. And, and guys, if you didn't see uh, former SPAC, HOFV, Hall of Fame Resorts, we did do an interview um, last night at 4.15. That is on our YouTube channel. Um, again, talking about NFTs. If you're interested in NFTs and you want to know more about the space, uh, coming up on Power Hour, they've got WiseKey, that's ticker W-K-E-Y, one of the hottest NFT-related stocks out there. And then they also have an interview with Smile Direct Club, that's ticker SDC. So two big interviews coming up on Power Hour. Uh, make sure you stick around and stay tuned to hear more from Jason and Luke and get those exclusive interviews. Again, we've got exclusive interviews all through the day. Uh, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and looking to extend those hours going forward too. What what do you think, Mitch? You excited to hear some more on these uh, interviews, the other show today? Well, I'm going to be paying attention. You know, I, I'm not going to get in too much about SDC. I'm, I'm going to try to keep my hands tied back, but I'm watching that stock um, just because uh, I, I have some opinions about the story, but I need to watch it. I need to watch it, you know. Um, so I'll be I'll be paying attention to the interview, just like I'm pretty sure a lot of people will. What's up, Luke? And, How yeah, doing? Chris, I just wanted to pop on and say awesome job uh, yesterday. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. yes. The Thank NFT you. killer right I'm here. Much Chris appreciated. Petty. So yeah, HOFV, we've had him on SPACs Attack. We've had him on Power Hour. And then we did that exclusive interview yesterday. Big shout out to, you know, Zoli and Aaron um, as well on the Benzinga team for getting some of these exclusives. Some of these interviews lined up, you know, we can't do it all ourselves. So we have a great team here at Benzinga. But yeah, we're all about bringing you guys the information, right? I asked the hard questions. We tried to get, you know, answers on the timeline. Of you didn't ask about the, the desk bed situation. I was, <laughs> yes, I, was I know there was lots of comments on his uh, situation. <laughs> it was a pretty good actually, setup. I actually showed the picture to my wife last night, and I said, hey, what do you think? Is this is this an office? Is this his basement? Someone commented and said he was on his yacht. Um, and I don't know about oh that. Oh my God. So, yes. That's so, the narrative I want. Yeah. If, if he was on his yacht and that's, that's his yacht win. bedroom, I'm going to buy the effing stock. That's okay? a bullish yeah. sign right there. <laughs> to, to me, I think he was in a guest bedroom, um, in his basement. Cause it sounded like his audio was a little spotty. Yeah, um, Chris, so you, you just got to ask the hard hitting questions. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see that question in time or I would have asked it. I've we, we've had to ask people before. We had a, a CEO on before who had some kind of like holographic lamp in his background. And everyone in the chat was like, Chris, ask him what's behind him. Wait, what's did behind did him? y'all see the Jack Dorsey Bitcoin clock? No. Oh, Google Lord. that. Everybody in the <laughs> chat, go, go, Google that. Jack Dorsey Bitcoin clock. He, he did that congressional hearing, right? And it looked like he just had a clock in the background. No, I think it was counting up the number of Bitcoins mined over time. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. That's awesome. Awesome. He, he like was so, his level of not giving a fuck at that congressional hearing was top notch. Yeah. Dude, I'm jealous of the guy's beard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, but I wanted to give a shout out to Chris uh, Dipper in the chat saying that outstanding interview with HOFV. You're a better interviewer than anybody on CNBC. So oh, I want to give you that cow. shout out. I mean, guys, I just try to do my best again. I, I want to do these interviews because it's all about bringing you, our loyal viewers and fans, the, the information, right? We're going to ask positive questions. We're going to ask the hard questions. 
we're, we're going to let these companies, you know, tell it how it is and give the information, um, you know, and again, NFTs are hot right now. You saw YVR on Power Hour last week. Um, yeah, I got, H- I've got opinions on that one too. HOFV last night, and now you got WKEY today. So if you want to hear more about NFTs, you got to stay tuned to Benzinga TV. You're not getting these interviews anywhere else. Luke, what's coming up on Power Hour? What are we All got right. before you so, roll that so, intro? Yeah, so 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 Power Hour, I mean, we're, we we got some some stocks to talk about today. So, so YVR, right? We interviewed the CEO uh, earlier this week. The stock got halted on a circuit breaker mid-interview. Um, so, so, and then we had our biotech conference. So, so I didn't get to digest that and, and share any opinions. So, so, so I've got some thoughts there. Um, we, we did examples on, on I believe Monday where, where we, we sold covered calls against visa, uh, uh, or we, we did covered calls against visa. So we sold calls against our, our stock position. We sold puts against Palantir. So we're going to track these, uh, positions throughout time. So everybody can learn and, and figure out, you know, how do they move as, as, as the stock interacts, um, NFT idea sheet. We've got 50 NFT ideas uh, pulled together from Zinger Nation. Uh, Alibaba getting fucking hammered. So let's let's talk about that one a little bit. Uh, GME chat challenge. Uh, guessing the price of GameStop. Uh, so I mean I don't know. I'm gonna try to do all that in the first 30 minutes. That sounds like, like a lot. Plus you got minutes. those interviews too, Luke. What That's what interviews we got? Yeah, we got so, Smile so, Direct Club. Yeah, so we have, so we have Smile Direct Club one at one o'clock, uh, one thirty Wise Key, a su- super hot one, uh, and then twelve thirty favorite of the chat Chanlo is going to be joining us ta- talking some options trading. Awesome, yeah, awesome. guys, l- l- listen to that one. I- I'm going to have him do his backstory again, but but he was homeless for a period of time, and then he became an NYPD officer. Uh, and they, I mean, it's a it's a cool motivational story. So so we'll we'll hear about that from him again too. Awesome. All right, guys, don't go anywhere. Power hour. Let's kill it, Luke.